0: Fans, this is this the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind, Mind podcast. podcast brought to brought you by to the, you hockey the Hockey Podcast Network. Now, now, here's your host, here's your host, host Neil Villapiano. What is going on, Devils fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and a welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having, as always, a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it. I do apologize for, I guess you'd say, the lateness of the episode. I mean, it's still going to be coming out on Thursday. Um, It's mainly due to the fact that I think I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold. So if I sound a little bit more nasally or maybe not as energetic as I normally am. Uh do apologize for all of that. But as always, guys, I really appreciate you know the the support and the patience that you guys, you know, give me with all these episodes. And uh I know things have been somewhat inconsistent of late, but I'm trying on a new schedule to kind of do things with um uh, not only continuing to do double state of mind, but also as I mentioned before, I now uh another podcast on the basketball podcast network which is our sister um network so uh obviously i've gotten a lot busier um when it comes to when it comes to just work in general but obviously i'm still here trying to give you guys two episodes a week as best as i can and kind of go from there um so again i really do appreciate the patience and uh understanding and um you know again Uh, I'm going to, I'm still fighting through this uh, little bit of a cold and, uh, you know, feeling kind of tired, but I'm here. I'm uh, we, we got some stuff to talk about as always we're gonna we're gonna mainly recap the last two games in which the Devils played the Rangers and then they played the Toronto Maple Leafs in back-to-back games we also had kind of a interesting situation that happened over the last day and change with somebody who had played not a lot of games but a couple of games with the Devils and um, he actually ended up just getting his contract terminated and I think some of you probably know who I'm referring to but if not I'll obviously give it in greater context here. But as always, guys, we have a bunch to talk about here on the Devil State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we'll start with the game recap against the Rangers back on Tuesday. Now, this was the third of the four meetings this season between the Devils, the Devils that lost each of the first two games, both of them being at Madison Square Garden. So this one and the next one, which will be in mid to late, you know, around early to mid April, if I can remember off the top of my head, Um, you know, both of the final two games will be at the Prudential Center, which is good. Obviously it gives the Devils a chance to try to win some games at home, Although there were a significant amount of Rangers fans at the Prudential Center for this game. And again, part of the, I think one of the biggest reasons is that, number one, you have a lot of Rangers fans that live in New Jersey. You know, you have to remember the Devils have only been in New Jersey since the early 80s. So a lot of people and their families, you know, going back generations were Rangers fans because that was the only local team that they had, especially living in Central and Northern New Jersey. So a lot of Rangers fans were going to be at this game. Also, I mean, you got to call it like it is. It is a lot cheaper to go to a Devils-Rangers game at the Prudential Center than it would be to go to any game at Madison Square Garden, regardless of the opponent. So I get it. I get it. And obviously with the Devils not doing so well this year, as we've seen in years past, you know, it's going to be harder for a lot of Devils fans to go to the game consistently. But there was still a decent amount of Devils fans. And I'll tell you this, as the game progressed, you started to see less and less Rangers fans and more Devils fans. And obviously with the way the game ended up going down and we'll recap it. um, You'll understand why, Uh, but again, it's still, you know, the battle of the Hudson river, it's, it's honestly the best rivalry that the Devils have with some of the teams that they play. It's been, you know, there's been some really, really great memories. And I think now with where both teams are going, I think that we are getting into the new era of this Hudson River rivalry. Um, this is also the first, first chance for the Devils to take on the new look New York Rangers because the Rangers were pretty busy at the trade deadline. They acquired Tyler Mott from Vancouver, Justin Braun from the Flyers, And then the big one they acquired for a multitude of assets, uh, Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, Gerard Gallant, the head coach of the Rangers, did say prior to the game that all three of those guys would be in the lineup for this one. I believe also Nick Merkley was traded uh, from San Jose to the New York Rangers, although I think Nick Merkley is down in the minor league, so he'll be playing with the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, So could we get a chance to see him? Uh, maybe, maybe we won't. I do not. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I guess we will see what happens with that. But again, the Devils get the first crack at the new look New York Rangers team. And again, this was obviously going to be a difficult task. You see what the Rangers have done this year, the success that they've had. It's not going to be an easy game. It's going to be a very, very tough challenge for this team. There was actually Two milestones that were uh, brought to my attention before the game. Both Ty Smith and Jesper Boquist each were going to be playing in their 100th career game in the National Hockey League. And I think it's kind of crazy from Ty Smith's perspective because this is only the second year, and technically speaking, the first full year that he's had the National Hockey League, and he's already eclipsed 100 games. And you think about you know, Ty Smith and uh, how this year has been uh, a pretty big disappointment comparatively to how well he played last year. But Uh, You can see that he's been playing better of late from a defensive and also from an offensive perspective. If you remember, when he got benched for a couple of games, he came back and the first two games after he had been benched, he had scored goals. So you can see that his confidence is starting to get back, which is important. As far as for Jesper Boquist, I mean, he has gotten chances to play in the NHL over the last couple of years. It kind of started in, uh, I guess you'd say 1920, in 19. Uh, 2019-2020 season, uh, where he really started to get some significant playing time. And now, like I mentioned before, I think Boquist is really starting to find uh, a good role, a, a solidified role on this team. And he's been playing better and better. He hasn't gotten as many points of late. But he's still playing relatively well. And I'm and I'm pulling for him because I still think that he can really make a a difference on this team, especially in the bottom six, adding some of that speed, adding some of that goal scoring, I think is major. So congratulations to both Ty Smith and Jesper Boquist. Getting to 100 career games in the NHL is something that not a lot of uh, I know it seems like a very small Um, milestone, but not a lot of players get to do that. And I think it's really, really phenomenal. And again, for both of them to have gotten all 100 with the New Jersey Devils is, uh, is an accomplishment in itself. So that was kind of a nice, um, kind of a nice thing. The other thing that a lot of people were kind of curious about was what was the situation with Andrew Hammond? Well, First of all, again, he's still technically on IR, so he is not um, playing yet. He did practice with the team when they went to Toronto on Wednesday. He also was interviewed by Erica Walker during the second remission report uh, in the game against the Maple Leafs, and he's looking forward to playing. And he's a lot closer from what he spoke about. He's a lot closer to getting to getting healthy enough to play. So the fact that he's been able to practice and things like that shows you that he's getting right there. But for tonight's game against the Rangers, the Devils went back to Nico Dawes. So this would be what the 10th game, the 10th time in 12 games that he would be in net, which again, as Lindy Ruff pointed out, it's something that it's not ideal, but it's the situation that we're in. And it also can be good because, again, it allows Nico Dawes to really, really get an idea as to how the NHL game is played. Um, you go to the first period, and without a doubt, the Devils did not play well. They allowed the Rangers to kind of dictate the pace right from the start. Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox would each get goals in that period, and it was two nothing Rangers after one period of play. And I remember saying to myself, that it looked like it was going to be a long night. It looked like, especially because the Devils were coming off that really tough Western Canada trip in which we lost six to three, three consecutive times, and we were giving up a significant amount of goals. It felt like that we were on the verge of having another one of those long nights, especially against our hated rival, which is something that you don't want to do. However, in the second period, The Devils had arguably the best 20 minutes I have seen this team play all season long. I do not know what was said in the locker room in the 18 minutes between the end of the first period and the beginning of the second, but whatever was said, whatever was decided, it woke the Devils up. It woke them up. It didn't start off immediately, but about five minutes in, that's when things started to come alive and the team exploded in a good way, exploded. For goals, as they scored not one, not two, not three, not four, but five unanswered goals in the second period. And after two periods of play, the score was five to two. Ryan Graves scored the first one, his sixth of the year. PK Subban tied it on a classic PK Subban slap shot from the blue line through screen that made it two to two. Dawson Mercer would then score to make it three to two, got him, getting his 16th. So he's four away from 20. Tomas Tatar would get a goal, his 12th of the year. They originally gave one of the other goals to um, to Tatar, but then they changed it to uh, Ryan Graves. So they ended up, um, so Tatar ended up only having one goal instead of um, instead of two. So Tatar got a goal that was his 12th of the year, and then Sharon Govich. Finished it off getting his 16th of the year. So another guy that's a couple goes goals away from 20, uh, he made it five to two. Now, the Devils had did score on a power play in that period as well, and a goal by Jesper Bratt, but the play was rolled offsides. So, I mean, technically speaking, they yes, they only scored five, but in my opinion, they scored six goals in that period. The offsides uh decision was very, very ticky-tacky to say the least. Um, and we all know that again if the rangers were wrong there the devils still have the 5 to 2 lead at that point and they would get another power play so there was a good chance they might have scored again anyway so that's just the way that i look at it but uh officially the devils were up 5 to 2 after 2 so you go into the third and you go i mean i i, I was doing a live watch along for this one on the hockey podcast network youtube channel and I couldn't stop smiling and laughing because it was just crazy how many goals happened in quick succession and just the dominance of offense against uh, Shesterkin. Well, he was shitsterkin in this one, but Igor Shesterkin, who de- most likely is probably going to end up winning the best in the trophy for the best goalie in the league. He looked awful. He looked absolutely awful in that second period. The Devils routed him. It was quite an impressive showing. So you go into the third and you see that Alexander Georgiev is in net. So that was the first dub in itself. And I think you really felt pretty good at that point because you felt, okay, I think the Rangers have somewhat admitted defeat, um, a little bit, not a whole lot, because again, as we've seen this Devils team do numerous times, they are uh, capable of blowing multi-goal leads. So I didn't feel comfortable 100% going into the third. And I felt less comfortable once Ryan Strom scored to make it five to three. And that was only about three or four minutes into the third. So you feel kind of uneasy about that. And you're going, "Uh uh-oh, you know, there's a lot of time left to go. And they're only up by two. And you're kind of hoping that the Devils don't falter. Well, luckily for us, Jack Hughes, who shockingly did not have a single point in that crazy five-goal-second period, got himself... Uh, two goals, one of them being on the power play, getting himself to 21 on the year. Um, at this moment, he would score a couple. He would score two. Uh, Chris Kreider, a devil killer. Obviously, he added himself a goal as well. And the Devils came away with an impressive seven to four victory over the New York Rangers. And it was It was great to see, especially against your most hated rival. And as the game progressed, you saw more Rangers fans leaving the arena early. There was much more Devils fans. You could hear it in the crowd. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And uh, you knew that the Devils were going to have to find a way to win some of these games at some point. So I think it was really great for them to not give up after being down to nothing after one period of play exploding like that in a second and then not allowing, even though they did give up two goals to not allow the Rangers to get any sort of hope that they could get back in this game Um, with this devil's win. The devils have now scored seven goals in a game for six different times. This was the sixth time this season, the devils have scored seven or more goals. And I think that that just shows you how much the offense has improved over the last month and change. And again, I don't know what Lindy Ruff decided to do other than simply he just stopped using the system that we had been seeing for years now and just allowed his guys to just play hockey. And that's what we've seen. And that's what makes us all happy. That's what puts a smile on our face that this team is winning and winning games by scoring a lot of goals. Now, again, it's not great that Nico Dawes gave up four goals, but you know he has been tired of late. And that's pretty much, in my opinion, why he's given up as many goals as he has. But still, at the same time, I think it was important for the Devils to get a win like this and to win it in this type of fashion. 12 different players on the Devils recorded at least a point in this game, which is another major thing. And you would expect that when you score seven or more goals. And it's great when a lot of your, you know, almost half of your team is able to contribute on the score sheet in one way or another. Now, talking about Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, the first goal he scored got him to 20 goals on the year for the first time in his career. So far and away, this has been Jack Hughes's best year in the NHL. And you know, if you look at his stats, he has progressed up and up and up. And he really, really has done well, particularly against the Rangers. I think he has 12 or 13 points so far in his career against the Rangers. And uh obviously he'll be getting a lot more as his career progresses. Um, he did get a second goal, like I mentioned before. Now he has 21. Um, and also we had another major milestone with that first goal that Jack Hughes scored. That got him. To 100 career points in the National Hockey League, and that is phenomenal. He now has 102 points um, now with 39 goals and 63 assists in 163 in 161 games in three NHL seasons. So. It's, it's phenomenal that Jack Hughes was able to get to that milestone, and, and I said several times, that's the first of many major milestones that this kid is going to break, and he's just 20 years of age, and that was phenomenal to break some milestones like that to beat your longtime rivals and kind of beat them down, so to speak, on the score sheet. It was just a... It was just a great win and it made you feel really, really good, especially with now we're getting close. We're now less than 20 games um, remaining in the season. Now, Corey Mastazak, who used to work for the Devils, who used to cover the Devils for the Athletic, who now covers the San Jose Sharks, he still likes to put in Devils things here and there because he's still got, you know, stuff. He actually tweeted this out after the game. He said it was a fun note that he came across. It says, Jack Hughes is now up to 1.14 points per game in his age 20 season. How many guys in the past 30 years have had a 1.10 plus per game at 20 or younger? Well... Here is the list. McDavid, Steven Stamkos twice, Sidney Crosby three times, Alexander Ovechkin, Eric Lindros twice, and Yaramir Yager. And so for Jack Hughes to um, enter into such a small club of some of the most talented players we have in the game now and in NHL history, I mean, again, that just adds on to the hype and just shows you how much better Jack Hughes has gotten game in and game out. This dude really is our franchise. And I don't say that with disrespect to Nico Heischer, because Nico's the captain. But when you look at it from the guy that we are all looking at to really be the main leader of this team on the ice, it's got to be Jack Hughes. And that was phenomenal that he was able to accomplish that. So hats off to Jack Hughes. And like I said, that accomplishment is the first of many that he's going to have in his very long career here with the New Jersey Devils. The last thing was Jesper Brett, who had a goal but was taken away in this game, he still ended up having two assists, which got him to 41 on the year. He is the first double player now with 60 or more points and 40 or more assists in a season since Taylor Hall in 2017-18, in which Taylor Hall, I believe he had, what, 41 as well? Um, and he ended up with 93 points and ended up winning the Hart Trophy for League MVP. Now, obviously, Jesper Bright's not going to win the League MVP. We understand that. But it shows also that Jesper Brett is taking his game to that next level of being a potential superstar in his own right. And I think that that is really, really important for growth and development of a player. So I'm really, really excited to see him continue to create uh, opportunities like that moving forward. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook An official sports betting partner of the NHL has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, don't worry. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the next thing that I wanted to discuss was something that happened in between these two games. Uh, The first big news, which was kind of uh, a pleasant, excuse me, a pleasant surprise, was the fact that the Devils recalled Kevin Ball and A.J. Greer from the Utica comments, which is, I always look at especially with the way Utica's played this year, is always good news, but also bad news. The good news is, is that these guys get a chance to come up here and play. The bad news is, is that it takes away from the talent that is down in Utica and hopefully it doesn't affect their play on the ice. That's the only thing we can hope for. But Kevin Ball, again, another one of our top defensive prospects, the six foot-eight giant. You know, he's got his own fan club in Utica. You know, Ball's army, which is phenomenal. He has become a legend down there and hopefully down the road, he could become a legend here with the New Jersey devils. I actually expect him to make a pretty good run at potentially being on the roster uh, long-term going into next season. That's my expectation for him. Uh, Kevin ball in 49 games played. Uh, With Utica, he has three goals, 12 assists, 15 points, and an impressive plus-minus of plus 14. So Kevin Ball has really done well. He's also gotten his defensive game down better. He's using his body a lot more, being physical, which is important. And I remember Amanda Stein was saying, you know, you can see – how much better Kevin Ball has gotten from the last time he was up here. You can see what Kevin Denine and that Utica team has done to kind of mold him and to kind of develop him in the way that he needs to be developed. So I think that that's really great to see. And I'm excited to see what Kevin Ball can do here for however long he's going to be up with the team. As far as AJ Greer is concerned, AJ Greer is a Fascinating, fascinating uh, player right now because in 46 games played with Utica, he has 18 goals, 22 assists for 40 points. Now, do I think that A.J. Greer could do that in the NHL? Well, he hasn't really proven that since he got into the NHL. Is he considered to be someone who might be more of a really talented minor league player? It's possible. It's very possible. But, I mean, look, I think Greer has earned the right to be given a shot to play up here with the big club and see what he can contribute. And again, the guy is going to have, if he gets another chance to go down to Utica before the playoffs, we'll have a chance to get the 20 goals. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So AJ Greer, Is not considered one of our, you know, high end prospects, but he could be one of those guys potentially that could maybe be somebody we didn't expect to be a contributor, but that ends up becoming a contributor, maybe on the bottom six. So that's, that's kind of a good thing. So for me, I was excited, maybe a little bit more for Kevin Ball, but I was also excited to just see both of these guys get a chance to come up here. Now, because of this, the Devils had to make some other moves. Uh, the only move that they really did was that they put defenseman Christian Jaros on waivers. Uh, if you remember Christian Jaros, the defenseman, he was uh, acquired um, from San Jose in exchange for uh, Nick Merkley. So that was kind of a one-for-one deal back at uh, back in the summer. If I remember, correctly, it was back in the summer at some point. It's the first move that the Devils made the entire offseason. Um But yeah, Yaros was put on waivers. And then once he cleared, uh, the Devils actually sent him down to Utica. Here's where it gets interesting. Apparently, Christian Yaros was very pissed off that he got sent down to Utica and he refused to play for them. And so instead of the Devils trying to come up with some form of a compromise, they ended up just terminating his contract, which now makes him a, a free agent. So he's allowed to sign with anybody at this point. So it is kind of crazy how Yarosh kind of you know reacted in that way. I mean, I don't I don't know what the circumstances are. When you look at Yarosh, I mean he hasn't had a whole lot of success in the NHL. He does have like one goal and a couple of assists, and that's about it, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. Also, I would kind of I remember someone said this to say. Why would Yarosh want not want to play with a Utica team that is not only in going to make the playoffs, but is one of the teams that could that is expected to make a Calder Cup run? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Well, you can also look at it and say this. Yarosh has been up with the Devils for the majority of the season. Um, and, you know, he has been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't consistently found a role. And maybe he's just frustrated that he doesn't and feels like he hasn't been given a fair chance To play. And I guess I can sympathize with that. But again, you look at the defensive core that we have now we got Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, Jonas Siegenthaler, um, Damon Severson, PK Subban, and Ty Smith. Um, The only guy that I could see you moving. Um, to put in Yarosh, if you wanted to go with just six defensemen, is maybe P.K. Subban or Ty Smith if Smith is struggling. Um, And Yarosh did play a couple games while Ty Smith was being benched by Lindy Ruff. But Yarosh is not considered to be part of our long-term plan. Maybe he was, I don't know. Um, But again, it was just kind of a crazy thing. So now Yarosh is free to sign with whomever, um, if anybody will pick him up. Um, when you look at Yarosh's stats, there really isn't anything at all. He played in 11 games this year with the Devils, no goals, no assists, and at a plus-minus of minus four. So he really didn't do a whole lot of anything. So it is kind of an interesting decision. I thought he was—I thought it was cool, though—that he wore like 83 as a defenseman. I always thought that was kind of a cool thing. Um, but it is what it is, man. And I'm—I'm uh, I'm sorry that it didn't work out for Yarosh. I hope he gets another opportunity somewhere else and uh, continue to try to pursue his dream of being an NHL player. That's about as much as I can say. So while two players down in Utica get an opportunity to come up and play with the big club, uh, one player had to get sent down and he didn't want to get sent down. He didn't want to play with Utica, kind of go from there. He would have certainly played some relatively big minutes on the top four if he went down to Utica. Um, Do I think it's possible that he could come back? Maybe. I doubt it now because I think the bri- that bridge has been burned because they terminated his contract. So it's kind of a it's just it was just a really, really weird situation in general to be in. So it's kind of like, oh, I guess uh, I guess now you got to move forward. Right. There's nothing much you could really do about it. So, yeah. Um, Ball and Greer are now up. We'll see how long that they stay up here with the Devils and uh, Christian Jaros is a uh, very short time with the Devils comes to an end playing just 11 games with not a single point and a plus minus of minus four. So the last thing I wanted to discuss was the recap of the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday. Um, I'll be honest with you, if I had recorded this right after the game, I probably would have a different um, reaction to it all. But after speaking with some people I kind of changed my opinion of the of the whole thing and my whole feelings of it. And I'll explain in some detail why later on. Uh, but the Devils were looking to win at least one of the matchups this year against the Leafs. I believe this is the final one against them. They had lost both of the, the other two. If you remember right before the All-Star break, you know, we we blew, you know, we ended up losing on a shorthanded goal in the first one after blowing the lead. And then we got blown out the next night at home. So, obviously, you're looking to try to get a win against a team that uh, is certainly, you know, solidified in a playoff spot and trying to win a Stanley Cup. That's their expectation. This is also the second of a back-to-back. We talked about the fact that going into March and certainly into April, there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs with, with, uh, with games that were postponed earlier in the year because of COVID. Um, so, obviously, the schedule was going to get a lot shorter when it comes to having breaks um one cool thing though was that the leafs were sporting a reverse jersey which was black but america it was black and blue which was kind of cool it was designed and partnered with justin bieber who is arguably the biggest celebrity fan that the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Um, And obviously his connection with guys like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, it kind of, it kind of works hand in hand. So this was kind of a Jersey that they were sporting. They also have a yellow and black one as well. I don't know the full details of of behind it, but I did see it. It was kind of cool, actually. It was actually kind of cool. I I liked it. And I like that it wasn't one of those things where it was a warm up and then was, you know, never seen again, that they actually wore it in the game. And so the Maple Leafs debuted it in this game, against the Devils. Um, Kevin Ball and AJ, AJ Greer both were in the lineup for this one, so they get an opportunity right away to play. And like I said before, watching watching Kevin Ball, I mean, you, you can't keep your eyes off him because of how big he is. And you can see how his defensive game has gotten better. He's not afraid to bang the body. That was something we talked about where he was much more of an offensive defenseman, but he needs to understand, and I think he's starting to understand it, that because of his massive frame he's going to have to, you know, use his body and be physical. And I think that that's going to come more and more as he plays. But going into the game itself, it was a good back and forth first period. Neither team ended up scoring. Although I will say, you know, the Devils were outshot 11 to three. It didn't feel like the the Maple Leafs were dominating the Devils. It just felt like that, you know, when the Devils did create an opportunity, it was a really good chance that Peter Morazic just made. So that was kind of a good thing. Um, There, So it was no score after one. And I think for Nico Dawes, who was playing in this game, I look at it and say, despite the fact that he had just played the night before, he's played so many games in the last 12, the last 12 or 13, and he gave up four the night before. He looked like he was sharper in this game. I think overall, he was just sharper. And I think that was a a really good thing for him to kind of bounce back in his own way um, to having a better game. Now, going into the second, that's where things really, really picked up, just like in the night, just like the night before. Uh, Devils started off with a power play five minutes into the game, uh, not into the game, into the period. And Damon Severson, kind of a weird one, but it still found the back of the net. He scored his ninth of the year and the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. Now, I should mention this on a really quick side note. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am now a writer for Inside the Puck, which is a hockey um, writing website. Just ter- search inside the puck and you'll find it. I cover the New Jersey Devils and I write one article a week um, just discussing things that are going on. I've done things. I've written articles about things like, you know, potential head coaching. um. You know, candidates if the Devils decide to move out from Lindy Ruff, P.K. Subban and his uh, impact on this team in more ways than just on the ice. The most recent article that I submitted and is now out on Inside the Puck It's out there. I posted it on Wednesday was the curious case of Damon Severson and what the devil should do with Damon Severson long-term. And uh, I would love if you guys could go check it out. Uh, Leave a like on it. If you can, you just go down to the bottom and click on the heart emoji Um, and also just share your thoughts with me. would would love to hear feedback and things like that. It was just something that I wanted to talk about because Severson was a guy that was could, could have potentially been on the move, but Elliot Friedman said that he actually, uh, not only wants to stay, but wants to sign a team friendly long term extension. So we'll see how things progress in the offseason if that's what the Devils decide to do. He still has one more year left on his deal after this year, but an extension could be on the way before that. But going back to the game itself, Devils then went on the Devils had uh, another power play. And unfortunately, they gave up a shorthanded goal to Ilya Mikheyev, which tied the game up at one. Um, that's something that unfortunately we've grown way too accustomed to seeing this team giving up shorthanded goals. Not great, not great, but less than two minutes later, devils were again on the devils were still on that same power play after giving up a shorthanded goal. Um, the, the power play had just expired, puck came out in the front of the net, and Nico Heischer, the captain, was able to knock the puck in as Peter Murezzik was kind of sliding into the net. So it almost like he, he kind of kicked the puck into his own net. It went into the net, Nico Heischer scored, and the Devils regained the lead at 2-1. to one. Nico now with 18 goals on the year, needing just two more to reach 20, which I think he will certainly get to. He's on pace to probably have his best goal-scoring season and potentially his best overall point season, certainly since the 17-18 year, which was his rookie year. But that lead for the Devils did not last as just 58 seconds later, Mitch Marner would score um, you know, on kind of a soft one, but a goal nonetheless, and he tied the game up at two. And that's where we were after two periods of play. So you go into the third, and I felt pretty good. I honestly felt you know, really good that the Devils gave themselves an opportunity to win this game. And you knew considering how last night had gone and then going into this night, you, you, you are riding on the high, you're riding on the the good vibes that this team was going to find a way to win this game. And uh, you could see though, as the third period progressed, the devils were what I would call playing with fire where they were allowing Toronto to have some really good chances. And then we come to what ended up being the main point of this entire game Um, with a couple of minutes to go, about six minutes, I believe. The Devils ended up getting a two minute power, a four minute double minor power play after Andreas Janssen got clipped in the mouth and ended up was bleeding. So, just like the first time the Devils had played Toronto, the Devils were on a four minute power play with a great opportunity to score and get the lead. And obviously, the best case scenario is that you score uh, prior to the first two minutes being up, you get another power play, and you score again. So, I felt good. But as this power play progressed, not only were the Devils not really creating anything in the offensive zone, they allowed not one, not two, but three different uh, shorthanded slash breakaway opportunities the other way for the Leafs. And that was really like, okay, we are really, really playing with fire. And then we get to the point where uh, Jessica Bratt comes up the left side into the offensive zone. Damon Severson kind of came up a little bit too far in the play and Brett tried to feed it back to him, thinking that he was further back, but he missed him. It caused the two-on-one going the other way. And Pierre Engball on the two-on-one, he was able to hold it as Dougie Hamilton dove and kind of slid past him. And Engball took the shot that went right under the left arm of Nico Dawson in. And the Maple Leafs took the lead at 3-2 to two with their second shorthanded goal of the game. And the Devils did not score on the rest of that power play. And they really, really couldn't create any sort of opportunity to score at the end. They did have some couple chances, though. I will say that. I, they, they, they did actually have one or two chances at the end where they could have scored, but just couldn't get enough um, going in front of Morazic to get one past them. And the Devils ended up dropping this one in regulation to the Leafs 3-2. to two. So the Devils finished the season series 0-3 against the Leafs, which you never want to go winless in a season series against anybody, but... It is the Leafs, and they're a tough team to play against. And that was that was the situation. And uh, I was really pissed off because the Devils had lost a game that I felt like they should have won. And two of the three goals were shorthanded, which is unacceptable. To give up multiple shorthanded goals in a game is something that could get you fired. And that's something that I've been very critical of when I look at Mark Reckie as our power play coach. I mean, you just can't. You can't allow that stuff to happen. I get the players are on the ice and they're the ones that make those decisions. But still, I I, it was just not good. But the point that I was trying. Well, what I said before about uh, taking taking a step back was that after the game, I kind of took a step back. I, you know, reflected on my whole emotional reaction to it all. And I realized to myself that I completely unfairly overreacted. Yeah, I'm frustrated because the team lost and stuff like that. And I'm a fan, but I have to do a better job, especially when I'm around people that kind of put my emotions in check, especially after the game and things like that. Um, It kind of go from there. And I'm going to try to do that moving forward because I understand what the realities of the situation is right now. You know, again, we are competing far better than what we did In the first couple of months of the season. You know, if you look at between mid-November and January, the end of January, we weren't competing. We were getting our ass kicked all the time. It was just something we got accustomed to seeing over the last month and change, nearly two months now, we have been a much more competitive team, scoring a lot of goals like we did against the Rangers and six other times this year. Um, you know, we we competed and and we lost this game three to two. We lost a close game that we fought to the end. We didn't allow the Leafs to blow us out. It was just the way that they lost was tough. And unfortunately, we've seen that before this year, but we know that goaltending is still a major problem and it's not going to get fixed this year. And we just have to kind of get through it. So, you know, it was a tough loss, frustrating one to say the least. But again, there's always an opportunity to redeem yourself, um, you know, in the next game. The Devils have Thursday and Friday off, and then they travel to Washington to take on the Capitals on Saturday, and then they're at home on Sunday against the Montreal Canadiens. So they do have a couple of chances moving forward to um, to play to uh, to redeem themselves. And I wondered to myself, talking about you know Andrew Hammond earlier, I wonder if he'll be healthy by the time we play the Canadians and his first start as the Devil gets goes against the Canadians. And I know Nate Schnarr was the one that ended up getting moved for Hammond. I wonder if Schnarr is going to play down with, um, Montreal's AHL team, or he's going to be playing up here with the Montreal Canadians. If he does with the Montreal Canadians, we might get a chance to see him for the first time since the trade, um, this upcoming Sunday. So I guess we'll see what happens with that, but, uh, it really was a tale of two games considering all the things that happened. Um, but again, we're just continuing to compete and, uh, We continue to look forward to seeing guys continuing to get on the score sheet, progress, and uh, try to finish the season on a high note.